Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Hi, good morning. Good morning, how are you, Katie? I'm good, how are you? Good. So Katie, obviously many dance students face a ton of challenges um, along their pre-professional track. So before they really even get to the apprentice stage of a professional career, um, what are some obstacles or challenges that you feel you had to deal with as a younger dancer? So I, I was actually one of the first JKO students. Um, it was oh. sort of in the inaugural year with uh, Franco DeVito and Raymond Lukens. Awesome. So um, I think one of the biggest challenges I had was I had to decide if I was going to move to New York, which mm -hmm. was going to be on my own sure. or stay at home. I had been through public school my entire childhood and I was on a very quote unquote normal track. Mm -hmm. um, so this was obviously a huge decision. My parents could move with me. Um, it took a huge leap of faith for them to say, okay, we trust you to be on your own in New York city when you're 16 years old. So yeah, that was, it was really tough for me because I was going into my senior year of high school. Obviously that is the best year you're looking forward to so many things. Um, you know, just being a normal teenager and prom and applying to college, all of these things. But I kind of made the decision based on the idea that if I didn't do it, I would regret it forever. Sure. Um, and of course, there was no guarantee I was going to even make it as a professional, but I decided I owed it to myself to at least um, really, really do this, um, really go in 100% and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it worked out, which is great. Um, but at the same time, you know, there was a lot of sacrifice involved, both for my family and for myself, um, as far as, uh, uh, you know, a bit of the loss of childhood. All dancers experience that in some shape or form, um, just because of the dedication it requires. I, I didn't realize that JKO was somewhat of a newer, not that it's newer anymore, but I didn't realize that you were in one of the first classes of it. Did you feel that as a, going into your senior year of high school, that was somewhat later than most? Or did you feel like that was on target with um, when most dancers do move away from home or go to more of a pre-professional program? Mm, interesting. Um, I, I was a year younger in school. Uh, got it. So I should have had two more years. Um, sure. And I would say that's about normal. Um, especially nowadays, ABT is really trying not to have people become professional much before 18. We've seen a lot of 
consequences from bringing people in too early, just developmentally and um, maturity wise. Actually, when I graduated from high school, I was 17 and I didn't have a job lined up with ABT yet. So I should have had one more year of training. I ended up getting into the studio company in November of that year, but I had already started college because I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do next, you know, if this didn't work out for me. I think it's so interesting to hear how ABT is definitely trying to start just a little bit older. I think just as a dietitian, from what I've experienced with dancers, just like you said, some of the consequences that we see when dancers do uh, follow the pre-professional track at a very young age. Um, I've heard mm-hmm. dancers, you know, going off at maybe 12, 13 years old, going off from home. And it's definitely as you said, a major obstacle, learning how to live on your own, uh, you know, figure, especially I think meals come into play. Meals are definitely tough to get used to when having to um, really navigate long dance days. And of course, being in your uh, peak growth years as well. Yeah, I think puberty is such a hard time anyway. And to throw a uh, pre-professional dance track on top of that is just it's asking a lot of any human being I mean um you know hindsight is twenty twenty. uh I think we all have done some questionable things <laughs> in our teenage years um but there's just not the same self-awareness that comes with age you know it's it's a lot easier to go off track without someone really helping you without an adult guiding you or a nutritionist guiding you, you know, it's so important to have those support systems. Yeah, definitely. And uh, there's also just so much information out there and a lot of it can be a lot of misinformation that younger dancers can get a hold of, especially just with access to social media and the internet. Um, So I totally agree. I think it's just so important that dancers learn how to, uh, really are who they can go to for uh, education uh, in regards to, you know, figuring out making balanced meals and mm-hmm. things like that. So Katie, when did you realize that your food choices did have somewhat of an impact on how you were performing in the studio and or on stage? Mm. Um, well, this is a funny anecdotal story. Uh, we were doing eight <laughs> shows of Swan Lake in one week. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this wasn't the first time I realized, but um, it was the Saturday night show, the eighth show of the week. And we were all exhausted beyond belief. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had just really felt like we had accomplished a lot. Um, so we celebrated by bringing in Levain cookies, which mm-hmm. are these like cookies the size of your head from New York <laughs> City. And they're so be- because I was young and tired and I didn't know what I was doing. I had an entire Levain cookie, like maybe an hour before the show, right. the worst show of my entire life. <laughs> like the, the highs, the lows, my stomach cramped because oh, I was yeah. just trying to digest while I was dancing. Um, I learned from that mistake. I'll never forget that one. <laughs> That's funny. So it sounds like your experience was, um, going into a very, a rather, uh, I mean, Swan Lake, one of the most intense of the classical ballets to go into with pretty much a sugar rush that probably caused you to have a major sugar crash midway, uh, still with an hour and a half of the show left at least. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important um, to time your pre-show meals. Mm-hmm. So 
giving yourself at least a couple of hours to digest really helps with both the energy crash situation and also just properly fueling yourself so you have the energy to make it through uh, something like Swan Lake, which is, you know, a, an absolute marathon of a ballet. Yeah, and, you know, just to kind of like skip a little and uh, while we're on the topic of pre-performance meal timing, because that is such an important aspect of making sure that your energy levels are topped off, that you're not going to two and a half to three hour show where you're risking um, a cra an energy crash within 15 to 30 minutes. What have you felt has been beneficial for you to do before a performance? I like having um, a really, really solid balanced meal, probably three hours before, if that's possible. With mm -hmm. the ABT schedule, it's not always possible because we'll have our break at 5.15, perform sure. at 7.30. Right. Um, so something like avocado toast is always a go-to. Um, and then bananas are always like the best in-between acts or, um, you know, just when you need a little pick-me-up if you feel like you're flagging a little. I know a lot of principals in intermission will have a banana yeah. Um, before they do black swan pot or something yeah. like that. So that's definitely a go-to. You can have serious nausea if you eat uh, too much right before the show. The last thing you want is to hinder your performance. And it, it is kind of a difficult balancing act because you also don't want... I've had shows where I was almost too nervous to eat mm -hmm. and your energy is so high, it's so up, that it's yeah. kind of hard to feel that grounded, centered feeling in doing these interviews that I've been doing since the pandemic started. So the past six months, I've always feel that there is um, one of the biggest struggles is that balance exactly what you're talking about, where you need to fuel yourself, you want to feel grounded. But at the same time, a lot of dancers can't eat right before or even during a show because they have butterflies in their stomach and then they can still push through because of the adrenaline and this is where we also start to think about post-performance and a recovery meal as a way to replenish everything that was lost from a performance that you couldn't fuel well with before or during um, and then setting you up for the next day. Post-performance timing is just as important as the pre-performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah I think another good strategy is to have uh, electrolytes in some way during the show mm -hmm. um, to sort of balance out that uh, loss through sweat and uh, just, you know, sheer exertion. And yet after a show, it's totally essential. It's also a difficult balancing act because it's generally, say, 1030 or 11. Yeah. So your eating schedule is really shifted during the performance time. Mm -hmm. um, but I always try and have a kind of simple but balanced meals, easier to digest. Um, yeah. So whether that's rice or potatoes or toast with eggs, um, some sort of moderate protein yeah. and definitely carbs because they actually help you to fall asleep a little bit. Carbs is probably one of the first macronutrients that kind of falls to the waistline um, with more of the dance students I, I hear this with, I think the professionals realize that 
you need the carbs to replenish your glycogen stores, get you set even for the next day of classes and rehearsals. Um, so I do love that you're including those in your recovery meal because so often we think recovery, we think protein, muscle building, mm -hmm. but carbs is definitely a huge part of the equation. Yeah. And for me personally, I feel that when I don't eat enough carbs, I can, I can feel it. I don't feel as satiated. I don't feel, you know, that sense of satisfaction, but also being able to use that fuel. I also, um, I remember a friend of mine, Luciana Paris in the company saying that she used to have just a bowl of cereal um, before bed and she would wake up feeling so exhausted and she switched to having like an actual dinner type meal after a show. And she said the recovery was just night and day. Just goes to show you how important that post-performance meal is, not just for recovery from the previous day, but to set you up for mm -hmm. the next day. So I think it's just super important to realize that what you are putting on your plate is impacting you for the long haul. It's not just, you know, fueling the upcoming performance or recovery from the last performance. It's really uh, something that we're working on 24 seven. Yeah. And the, the better you can make it just a normal habit, mm -hmm. it it's going to be, yeah, it's going to set you up for success because if you're constantly thinking, oh, what am I going to do for dinner tonight? If you have it already set in your head, um, it just makes it easy. It's like meal prep. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, which could be a challenge in of itself, I think, for especially how we were talking about earlier for younger dancers. I know a lot of dancers will go off to pre-professional programs and they'll live in dorm situations, and that's super common, um, which can make meal prep, I think, very difficult for dance students. But at the same time, even just knowing how to prep and pack balanced snacks to mm -hmm. get through those longer days is important. Yeah, absolutely. I think this pandemic has actually been really great in that respect because everyone is staying at home, cooking three meals a day. Um, yeah. And without that stress of commute and the long hours, you know, it's just, I feel like I've had a total reset point of, of being more balanced and everything. This pandemic has been such a reset button, not just for dancers to realize that life does get in the way, in the way. And sometimes when we, we can be very obsessive on our schedules and on, you know, the current track that we're on, I think the pandemic really was a test to any type A perfectionist person, um, in forcing them to get comfortable with change, quick change. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's really such a good point. And one thing that you mentioned that I love is that the pandemic has brought us to realizing that as much as planning and prepping is so important, we now have time to do that. So I think we now have more time to teach ourselves how to plan ahead and um, meal prep more balanced meals and just uh, eating more mindfully at those meals instead of like you said, you know, having to eat a snack or eat a meal on the subway. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of times that I've been trying to eat a sandwich while I'm walking on the streets <laughs> of New York City, thinking about the choreography, you know, it's just Right. First of all, it doesn't help your digestion. Right. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's not good for that mind body connection exactly. in general. Exactly. And sometimes it's unavoidable, but yeah, 
Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a good point in of itself. Knowing how to take from both types of lifestyles, take from a more mindful eating lifestyle or what I call, or what we as in the nutrition world call intuitive eating lifestyle. um, And then utilizing a meal plan, um, timed snacks throughout your day. So it's important to have both where you can pull from, you know, on your extra busy days, planning your time snacks so that you don't forget about them. Because like you said, you're thinking about choreography, you're walking from um, the theater to your apartment back to the theater. So it's, there's so much going on, it can be very hard to even remember to eat sometimes. Absolutely. And it is. um, That's why I think having the habit of that is so good. Because it allows it to be automatic when you yeah. are having those crazy busy days yeah. so that you don't have that inevitable crash where it does affect your, your memory and your energy and all of these things that you need to pick up choreography. Yes. Having that be as a habit so that you can get through those extra busy days is such an important point. So Katie, tell us a little bit how you have been managing quarantine. Yeah, I think this has taught me the real, real importance of having good relationships in your life, mm-hmm. um, having people you can lean on and talk to, whether it's just via Zoom or FaceTime, because um, obviously at the beginning, we didn't have that option. Um, and just that idea of human connection um, has really, really been important um, for all of us because that access was denied for a while. Um, And even now, obviously, it's at a very much smaller scale. Um, So being around people again for the first time, you know, more than two or three at a time is just, it's wild. It feels that strange all of a sudden. Yeah, so really, I think I've probably gotten closer to a lot of um, people in my life, which is a, a wonderful silver lining. And for me personally, I think... I I thrive on routine. I think a lot of us dancers do. So creating a routine for myself where, okay, you know, ABT was doing Zoom class every day at noon, either sticking to that or taking from my coach who also did daily class and just really finding time. Okay, well, this 30 minutes is going to be uh, homework and then class. And then if we have conditioning, um, just to have some semblance of, okay, I'm doing what I need to the best of my ability. I'm not trying to be at the level that I was um, pre-pandemic because that is just not realistic at this time yeah. and learning to be okay with that. Um, that is so important right there. I mean, well, you said a couple of things that were so important. The first is structure and routine. Creating some bit of structure in a world right now that is a bit out of our control helps to regain some bit of comfort for any of us. So like you said, making a bit of a schedule, but at the same time, not having those same expectations of yourself that you did before the pandemic just creates for a much healthier mindset. And for younger dancers listening, realizing that at the end of the day, even though we don't necessarily know, and we are living a new normal for quite some time, it is temporary. You know, we will eventually get back into the studios, um, back on into the theaters. And again, it's hard to realize, especially when it's so out of our control right now. But I think mm-hmm. it's such a healthy and balanced and positive mindset around that you're only expecting 
so much from yourself. You're being patient with what you can do right now. Yeah. I mean, that's just so important for your psyche as a human being, much less a dancer. Um, and another thing I'll say is that for the past two weeks, I was able to be in a studio again for the first time in six to seven months, however long it's been. Mm -hmm. And just seeing how quickly it does come back yeah. um, has been really reassuring. And I think that's, it's not just for professionals, that's for um, younger dancers. You know, you've been training for maybe five to six days a week before this. Mm -hmm. There is that, um, like ballet's ingrained in you. It's, it's in you. There is a level of um, autopilot. Mm -hmm. So all of those skills that you did learn will come back. You have to allow that time of, of repair and recovery and, and ramping up to um, your level of where you were before, but it will come back. Uh, it's almost like just be patient with yourself and trust that you will get back to where you were. Trust your body a little bit, have a little bit more faith mm -hmm. in, in the actual process. How would you define what a healthy dancer means? Mm. Um, I'm actually studying positive psychology right now. So it's very, very pertinent. A healthy dancer is all about balance. Mm -hmm. I think it's about finding ways to enhance your well-being while mm -hmm. you're doing something that is so difficult and rigorous and can be um, kind of detrimental to both your physical and mental well-being at times. Mm -hmm. um, so I think as much as you can try to be a whole person, mm -hmm. none of us are just dancers. We might call ourselves dancers when someone asks, what do you do? Who are you? Sure. But at the end of the day, you're a human being and that requires addressing, you know, the full spectrum of what it means to be a thriving human. Um, yeah. And so while you're working so hard at this passion of ours, which I think is one of the greatest jobs in the world, mm -hmm. um, just making sure that you really invest in yourself um, and in the people around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this really, what everything you're saying is bringing so much dimension into um, what a dancer is. I think a lot of younger dancers get very hung up and focused on the physicality or just the technique and mm -hmm. uh, getting better and perfecting their technique, which is understandable. That's what we are trained to do. But at the same time, realizing that dance is not just a sport, it's actually an art and that requires so much more dimension in one's life. Um, you know, whether you're a daughter or a wife or um, a husband or, you know, we, we all wear different hats in our life, not just being a dancer. And we can definitely identify as a dancer, but making sure that you have more dimension um, and that really does come into your art. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, Another way to see it is that if you focus too much on the technique, it can actually harm your dancing. Yes. Um, especially as a professional, when you get out on that stage, not that technique doesn't matter, but there's so much more to a performance than that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so easy to get bogged down by the triple pirouette or whatever it is. Right. Um, 
but at the end of the day, that's really only half of the puzzle. Um, and like you're saying, being a whole person and, and trying to sort of live your best life is only going to help your dancing. Yes, absolutely. Um, remembering that just like you said, getting bogged down by the choreography and the technique, that's only part of the equation. Remembering to bring in more aspects of your life, more dimension and more perspectives. Katie, this has been such a pleasure to hear about your perspective from food to just um, keeping a positive mindset as a whole person and not just as just a one track minded dancer. It is not easy to always be positive during this time. Obviously, um, there is so much that you can be not, not negative about, but um, there is a lot of negativity in the world right now. Um, but that doesn't mean the world is a bad place. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we've all seen how important art is to um, our sort of collective well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, so to realize that being a dancer is so important right now. Um, we have been stagnant we haven't been able to perform but whatever you can do personally to get that feeling of performance whether you're doing it on instagram or finding a little bubble that you can be a part of um it's just it there's meaning to that um so don't give up and you know we're going we're going to be back we'll be back at lincoln center and we can't wait for that time (laughs) I definitely agree, Katie. Thank you so much for joining me again, and we will definitely be in touch. Yeah, so nice to meet you. You too, Katie. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.